Exposed. Part 3. There isn't much left, Nicole thought. There isn't more I can do. Nicole had obeyed the lights for the last ten years. Nicole dropped family, friends, school. Nicole dropped everything. After the last passerby threw a broken bottle into her donation bag, Nicole knew that the lights had been wrong. She wasn't a child of stars. She had been to the top of the world and saw nothing. But that couldn't be right. How could that be right? What force existed in this boring world to pull her away from her life? What force would just have forgot about her after she dropped everything to follow it? With a crashing weight, Nicole knew the lights were not real. There was nothing in the sky. Nothing except her own delusion. The lights in the sky, the voice, all of it. All of it. The mystery didn't mean anything. Nicole spent the next week bumming rides and surviving off what others threw away. She found herself in a small town in the middle of nowhere, a town close to her home, close being a hundred miles, a town called Porum. Nicole watched her body melt like a candle, features blurred and muddy, until all that was left was the discarded wax, the discarded remnants of her life. In the middle of an Oklahoma summer, Nicole looked out across a concrete street that shimmered with heat mirages and the slick of oil. She didn't hear the footsteps. She didn't smell the man until he spoke. Nicole? Nicole looked up into the face of a man who didn't belong to this world. The features were too beautiful, the hair too perfect. The black suit seemed to shimmer in the mid-July sun. Nicole, the lights aren't done with you. Please, let me offer my assistance. The man offered a pale hand to Nicole. She noticed the man had no fingernails, just clean skin. To be continued. If you like stories of the strange and bizarre, the tales of ephemera has more to offer. Talk to you soon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Raconteur Collection, Chapter 3, Episode 8, or if it is easier for you to keep track the other way, Episode 28. The Raconteur Collection is a podcast about everything and nothing, and it is run by the two madmen, the two mad lads, Jack and Charlie. Jack, how are you doing today, man, my friend? How are you? How? How? How how are you doing? (laughs) Sorry, I won't do that. (laughs) Yep. 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 No, I'm doing pretty good today. Taking it easy. Um, I do work tonight. Uh, I'm doing a full time schedule change for the month of May to see if I like full time. Uh, you know if it'll work out. And then so the plan is hopefully, uh, probably after June for Laura to stop working and I just work my full time job because my job if I do full time and make commission, 
I'll be making, you know, more money. So it'll give her a chance to kind of, you know, take a break, go to school and relax. So tonight's the first day of my like full time shift change. So, you know, exciting. Looking, yeah, exciting. Not too bad. Uh, I'll be working five days a week with like, you know, eight hour shifts. So it's really not bad at all. So we we'll just have to wait and see how it goes. But I'm excited. Yeah. And uh, how has your week been, my friend? Uh, have you done anything exciting? You got any stories for the Rackin'Tourites who listen to this? The Rackin'ites? <laughs> the the Rackin'ites. That sounds kind of weird. I don't know how much I like yeah, that. That's not kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, pretty uneventful week other than just kind of, you know, working, uh, taking care of uh, Ellie, making sure she's good. Um cooking a bit more at home and uh watch godzilla today godzilla oh. 2000 because it was the only godzilla that we didn't have to like rent or pay a subscription to watch right so right ellen and i watched that and she digged it she likes godzilla mm-hmm. she and, should definitely uh, watch those newer movies i wonder if they're too spooky like for hmm. her i don't I mean, maybe i don't know i don't think so. I, 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 don't, I, I don't i don't know but uh yeah, so there's that, and then, gosh, you know, I really haven't done anything. I've been playing a lot of Warzone, but yeah. that's about it. Yeah, yeah, I've hopped in and joined you on some Warzone. It's been it's been fun getting back into it, you know. So I'm excited because uh, oh, for sure, the fifteenth of this month, the uh, sequel to Subnautica comes out, Subnautica Below Zero. So I'm really excited for that. I loved the first Subnautica, so. Excited for that. And you know, man, I uh, my week has been pretty good. Uh, got my nice. finally finished editing the glossary for the book and then got that all put together, got it all edited, it formatted it, uh, and pushed it through. So it's published on uh, Amazon right now. And so I ordered some author copies. I ordered about 10 of them, which is nice. Can I order a copy right now from Amazon? You can, but I mean, I, so I can order the cost on Amazon right now is 20 bucks and I don't plan on keeping it up. It's really only up so I can order my author copies and then give those out to people. So I would just wait for an author copy, Jack, because honestly, okay, you know, it's, I can order the author copies for about like $8.50 and the actual price of the book is 20 okay, bucks. Okay, it's pretty cool that to look up and see your book on Amazon. That's pretty cool. Right, yeah. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? Um, so I'm that, excited. That cover art. Yeah, it's cool, isn't it, man? Yeah, do I got cover art this time. No, I didn't do that. I actually found that picture. I hope I don't get in trouble for it because I just kind of pulled it from the internet. I feel as if, though, that since nobody really knows how to find the book... <laughs> like uh hopefully no one randomly buys it um but yeah so that's been really exciting uh like you said we've been playing some warzone and some apex legends kind of getting back into the battle royales start playing this new game i can highly recommend called ashen if uh anyone out there is a fan of the dark souls type games this game is definitely in that vein um it also kind of is a lot like this other visually this other game called absolver of um, kind of a uh, more of a minimalist art style. That being said, it's been a really cool game to play so far. They have this really awesome mm-hmm. kind of feature to where you clear out this place called Vagrant's Rest, and then you journey from Vagrant's Rest, which kind of becomes the hub, and all the NPCs kind of go there, you know, very much like the uh, Firelink Shrine or Majula. Um, and 
when you come back though, it's like uh, Vagrant's Rest is being built up. And so like, you'll see like, oh, they are building structures. Oh, you come back and there's a house back here now. Oh, everything's been cleared. And so it's really cool to like go and journey and then come back and see like the base being built up as you're like going off on these missions for the uh, NPCs there. It's really kind of a cool, like I really dig it. Like I wish, it makes me wish that Dark Souls had something like that because it feels really cool mm-hmm. to come back and be like, oh man, they've set up like a whole little fishing dock here and oh, they've gotten like this chest that was just setting against a wall. Now it's like inside a house because the house has been made and it's like, oh, this is, this is pretty cool. So I uh, highly recommend that. But you That's know, awesome. it's uh, it's been interesting because I, you know, after I submitted that book and ordered the copies, I, I feel good because it's, you know, definitely a goal I've been waiting for. But at the same time, there is that feeling of like, well, what do I do now? Like, of course I have other things I want to do and work on, but like when you finish up like a big project, it's like, there's kind of like an aimlessness feeling that I've been feeling where it's like, well, what do I, what do I do now? Like, what do I work on now? But I have some other things, um, kind of planning on taking it easy, put some more effort into, uh, the podcast and, you know, tales of ephemera kind of trying to get that broadcasting more, you know, other things like that to where I can put that creative energy into as I kind of take a break from that story and hopefully can come back to it with some fresh eyes later down the line. So yeah, man, for sure. But you know, it's been a kind of a overcast day to day, not really rainy, just kind of, you know, whatever. So, but it's been a, been a good day so far, been a good day so far and uh, looking forward to the topic. I really, I kind of came up with this topic pretty quickly, but I've been thinking about it all day since I've been at work. So excited to get to it excited to get to it do you have anything else you want to add before we hop into the topic at hand my friend uh you know what not really unless you want to do some housekeeping now or save it till later or whatever you feel like doing um yeah you know i think this time we're gonna save it till later we didn't get too too much feedback on uh, the modern warfare but there were just like a couple small ones so i think i'll save it for later and we'll kind of you know sounds good talk about you know where people can find us and everything. But I think for today, we'll just go ahead and jump right into the episode. So everybody, today on this week's episode of the Raconteur Collection, we're going to be talking about the best stories for us. And I wanted to very emphasize the for us part. Um, This can be Mm -hmm. anything. It does not have to be from a book. It doesn't have to be just a movie. It can be, you know, books, movies, TV shows, video games, comics, anything that we kind of want. And so I sent this topic to Jack early this morning, and we've picked out some items that we can talk to. I think I went a little bit more in depth with my list than Jack did, which which is totally fine. Um, But yeah, we're going to be talking about the, we're going to be talking about the best stories for us. So you know, what really captured our imaginations, what really like inspired us, what really kind of gave us that feeling of like being able to pull ourselves away from the world we actually live in. Cause I feel like that's what the best stories do. You know, for a moment you can forget for a moment you can forget about, Oh, I have my bills due. Oh, I have to go to work tomorrow. And you can be totally engrossed. And that's, I think the special type of story that I'm kind of aiming for. Mm-hmm. And so Jack, I am totally unfamiliar with your list. I do know one thing that's on it just because I know you, but how do you want to start this? How, what story, when you, when I sent you this topic and you woke up bleary eyed, cause I sent you it pretty early in the morning, you woke up bleary eyed and looking at your phone, 
what was the first thing that popped into your head? First thing that popped in my head was, well, uh, you know, I don't really think in depth as to why I like things as much as I do sometimes. Um, there are some cases where I do more than others, but usually I just kind of like things because as I, as I put it, it hits all the right buttons for me. Uh, and so I've just been kind of slowly kind of parsing, you know, the pieces and putting together the things that I think kind of make a story interesting, good, or, you know, really enthralling to me. Uh, so I kind of sat here for a little bit. And I was like, well, I got like four, but I've been able to think of a couple more as Charlie was saying in the intro. So I'm feeling good, <laughs> you know, feeling, feeling a little bit better. So. Awesome. Go ahead you, and kick it off, man. Yeah, I was like, just going yeah. to kick it off. But so my first one, it's again, I this will be the th- second or third time bringing this up. But this one has to do with Golden Time. Um, so if you guys don't know, Golden Time is an anime based on a manga that came out 2012, 2013, around that time. Maybe a little earlier with the manga. Not entirely sure. But basically, I really... Uh, connected and liked the story because it had to do with the you know spoilers uh it had to do with this main character who's suffering from oh shoot what's it called what's it called when you amnesia amnesia thank you i i, I was like it's not insomnia that's that's not right <laughs> the main character <laughs> suffering from insomnia aren't we all i'm yes. just kidding and so he's suffering he's suffering from amnesia and he kind of doesn't you know, it starts off, he's moving to Tokyo to pursue uh, college and that kind of stuff, but he doesn't remember anything from like high school or whatever. And so it's really cool to see the story develop and see, you know, him meet people that he doesn't recognize, but for some reason he connects with. Uh, it's really interesting to see how that plays into the relationships with all the different characters uh, in the show and how, you know, it affects his friends, it affects his, you know, his girlfriend uh, and just everyone around him uh there's a couple moments where he freaks out or is feeling fine or you know and so it just it's a very uh like emotional story and there are a lot of times Mm. where it gets very like serious and i think i like the juxtaposition of like oh one moment it's all fine and happy and then just boom something triggers it and like it's not it's not all okay because one night he wakes up and he's like like where am i like wait i'm like back of my body again because basically this is where it's a little supernatural-esque his old self like follow is following his current self around being like you need to remember like who you are and like is not wanting to let go of this Mm. past that they had uh so it's just kind of a cool eventually like coming to terms with you know putting the past behind you you know starting a new life and that kind of stuff i i don't know i like it a lot because it's just it's all the right buttons, so. Yeah. You know, there are several on my list that I won't spoil them, but there are that fall into that category of being a generally lighthearted, you know, show or uh, media, but then they have these serious moments. And, you know, when I was young, 
I used to always just like the serious moments and I didn't like the more lighthearted moments in the show. Oh, yeah. But as I've gotten older, I've realized that sometimes it is those lighthearted moments that makes the serious moments serious. Because if everything is serious and dark and grim, then, you know, other serious dark and grim things don't stand out as much as if, you know, there was a light point. So... I totally understand what you're saying with that one. Yeah, I mean, that's for me personally why I dropped out of Attack on Titan after like 20 episodes because it was just like mm. it didn't change that much. And I'm sure it, it yeah. has like later on because it's now the show's over. But I was like, man, this is not there's not it's not different enough. It's just like the same thing happening. So, mm. you know, and it's also just too long. I've as I've gotten older, I kind of don't care for <laughs> longer shows, really. So you know yeah no i i understand yeah so for me i wanted to start off this list with kind of a discussion around atmosphere and tone mm. really things that i i see and i'm immediately like oh yeah that's i'm in you know what i mean like i don't even have to see the story i don't even have to see and so the first little i don't know the first little topic on this list here topic is very much in line with, you know, the kind of dark sci-fi. So think of, you know, Aliens, uh, Event Horizon, you know, all inspired this series. And I think for me, this just where this series hit in my life, I, I know exactly it what you're talking made about. a huge impact. And I'm talking about the 2011 Visceral Games developed series, Dead Space. This is on my list particularly, too. So. Talking, about, <laughs> talking about the first, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so for me, Dead Space really stands out in terms of just creating this oppressive atmosphere, mm -hmm. not only in the horror aspects, because of course Dead Space you know, centers around these horrific aliens that take over dead bodies called necromorphs, and uh, they can only be killed if you like dismember them. So not only just you know the horror elements, but... The fact that you travel to this ship and the whole game is takes place on this giant planet cracker ship called the USG Ishimura. And it is something about how well realized this environment is and how well the environment detail really sells everything mm -hmm. that makes this game such a classic for me. I mean, God, I can't tell you, Jack, like this is one of those games that has kind of vanished from like the modern gaming like scene like people still talk about it but like i you know i have a free trial of playstation now played through a little bit of the darkness another game not on my list but i love and i was like you know what else you have dead space on here and dead space isn't on there and what? i'm like man that sucks because like yeah. dead space is so good and it's one of those games that i'm so surprised hasn't come back in some way or hasn't been remastered or just released as like a you know a re-release because i would love to play it again. It's just, and I specifically picked the first one because as you know, I do like the second one. I never really finished the third one. The first one for me is where it started and it just totally sucked me in. Like, I mean, totally sucked me in yeah. and I was invested. So there, I think so. one of the big reasons too is because when this was coming out, there was a whole lead up of, uh, they're coming out on the PlayStation mm. store, the comics, like the, like the animated comics basically. Yeah. And yeah, those, those you can find them on YouTube. It's, there are six different episodes. We can watch like a video that has all of them in it. 
I highly recommend watching it. It's so good. I love the artwork. I love how, like, uh, it's just, like, so, like, scratchy and scribbly, and it's so visceral in the way it's drawn, mm-hmm. and it's 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 so good at setting up the tone of the world and what was going on kind of before and during, like, the planet crack, and so it's it was a really good lead-up to playing Dead Space because, you know, you kind of go in knowing what it's all about, but seeing it in a totally different media is, like, really cool, and so just... The atmosphere of Dead Space is kind of what I was kind of talking about a lot. Like the atmosphere, uh, the tones, and specifically the sound design in the game, I think was really phenomenal. Mm, And so mm -hmm. it all just kind of came together perfectly. And I know some people are like, oh, jump scares. But I think it's probably one of the best horror games to come out just because it's so environmentally intense and off-putting and strange. Mm -hmm. And space is just a great place to have horror. I mean... You know, look at Event yeah. Horizon, look at Alien, you know, all that kind of stuff. So Exactly, yeah. You know, it's funny because I feel like Alien especially, if I had seen that, like if that had been one of the kind of fundamental things that I had watched, it really would have taken the place of Dead Space. That being said, I didn't really, I, you know, I knew of, I think I our dad showed us Aliens because that's like what, the, with all the Marines and stuff. But like for me, Dead Space was that introduction into that very realistic, dark sci-fi future. And I just, I, I dig it. Like I dig that dystopian design of the Ishimura where it kind of looks like a body. You know, it has all these like rising like buttresses and these like almost like ribbing along it. And even like Isaac's suit that he wears mm. has like, you know, kind of like the ribbing armor and stuff. So I, yeah, I Dead Space is just a fantastic game, and I would highly recommend anyone play it. Jack, is there anything, uh, before I jump into my next one, since we'll kind of wrap your Dead Space one in here, is there anything you want to add to this Dead Space, like, before I jump into my next Um This is going to be a little point. bit of um, spoiler for Dead Space, so if you don't want to hear spoilers for no, Dead go, Space, go right then, ahead. you know, don't listen for like 20 seconds or mute it for 20 seconds. Um, as you're playing through the levels, the first letter of each level name spells out uh, like a huge like plot point in the game, uh, and it just says Nicole is dead, and Nicole's his girlfriend. They're trying yeah. to find like the entire time that you know they're going through the ship. He's being told, "Oh, she's alive somewhere. She's alive." And then he like makes contact with her, and it just yeah. this it, this whole like insanity, you know, just stuff going on like with like the marker and everything. It just it all like. Mm-hmm almost like beautifully ties together in a really cool, like subtle way that like you don't really notice it until like, you're like oh, wait, hold on that. Yeah. That spells something out, you know? So it's kind of, it's kind of cool. I remember yeah. figuring that out and I was like, Oh yeah. You know, I think no. for dead space as well. What I like so much about it is that it's so standalone, especially the first game. I like how the game you could, it just, it could end there, which is fine. Yes. You know, and it's cool that it keeps going, but it kind of did lose its heart, I feel. I, Dead Space 2, I really like a lot. I think it's really cool. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, Dollars to Donuts, the first one, always a classic. Yeah, like, I would say the first one. That stands for even video games I've played now and recently. Like, it still is very high up on my yeah, list. First of, one, like, top game. Very, like, you know, horror-based. Really like it. Like, the scariest one, I think. The second one. I think it's still like a really good game. Not as scary. Has its moments, but it's much more story focused. 
especially like with Isaac's yeah. story. And then third one, I played very little of. I remember it being a lot more Same actiony. Uh, so I never gave it a real yeah. fair shake. I do want to someday, and it is co-op, so maybe we could play that yeah. on the Raconteur YouTube, Charlie. Raconteur YouTube. Raconteur. My next one is, of course, another one. Anyone who knows me will know that I love both of these movies, but uh, could not mention in this section of atmosphere and tone, uh, Blade Runner and Blade Runner twenty forty nine. So mm. original Blade Runner is nineteen eighty two by Ridley Scott and Dennis Villen. Villeneuve 2017 for Blade Runner 2049. You know, there isn't much that really speaks to like my style and how I like to set up worlds as much as Blade Runner does, especially when it comes to the way everything looks and the way everything is shot and really looking at like Blade Runner 2049 here with sound design and world design. I think it's like absolutely phenomenal. And the reason I don't, you know, include this with like, I have a section later on that's titled Story Beats. The reason I don't really include the Blade Runner movies for Story Beats is because while I really like the stories, that's not what stands out to me. It's more the world and the characters and, you know, everything that's happening kind of outside of the direct plot of the movie is what really engages me. Yeah. And so while, you know, I do think the stories in there are notable and they're definitely not, you know, pushover stories, it, they're, they don't speak to me as much as the setting does. And so I have to bring up those two just because, you know, the clogged streets and buildings, the kind of perpetual storms and rain, just those very distinctive visual, like almost like monolithic ruins in Blade Runner 2049 when he kind of goes into like the desert and it's all orange. Mm-hmm. Man, it is so good. And it's good to the point to where like I would show, you know, if I ever was able to make Manilica into an HBO series or a movie, I'd be like, and they were like, hey, what are, you know, what are some of your inspirations? I'd be like, look at Blade Runner 2049. In fact, anything Dennis Villeneuve has ever done kind of bears those very good trademarks to where he has these huge, open, expansive shots. And it happens in Arrival as well. I don't know if you've seen Arrival, Jack. This is definitely a movie you should check out about alien contact with Earth. Is that the but, one with like the big like those big monoliths, like kind of yes, settle? Yeah, 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 yeah. So you know, like he has like a knack, and of course, Dennis Villeneuve is also doing the new Dune movie as well. So he has this knack for doing these huge, epic kind of sweeping shots that just make you feel so small, and I absolutely love it. So this is my next one, Shaq. Bring us into your next one, or if you want me to go again, since my list is longer. Whatever works yeah, I'll, for you. I'll, I'll swoop something else in. Um, I didn't swoop. I didn't swoop. What? I'll swoop in here. What's, <laughs> is that referencing something, or are you just is that off the top of the dome? Okay, <laughs> I was is. like, I don't know. It, uh, yeah, yeah, let me take yeah. a sip of coffee here. Yeah. <sighs> Jack and for you. Yeah. So <laughs> we are playing Warzone with Jack Henry, and he's like, I feel like you guys call me out sometimes. <laughs> and now I'm just going to call him out more because he said that. Oh, <laughs> sorry. It's a Jack. vicious cycle. Hands. Um, so this one uh, kind of has to do, I'm going to get this one out of the way because it has to do kind of with horror in a way. But, uh, and I've been playing through recently again, but Cry of Fear. 
It's a indie mm-hmm. horror game based off the, I forget what the engine is, but it's based off like Half-Life 2, which might just be like a Half-Life mm-hmm. engine. I'm not entirely sure, but uh, the atmosphere and tone of this game is really like ominous and it's super quiet and it's very, like it's almost depressing. Like it's, it's a pretty just sad mm-hmm. game. Uh, and the whole game kind of deals with like uh, mental illness in a way. And there's just a lot of moments in the game that are just like heavy, not because like necessarily things like happening, but just you're just in these streets all by yourself. It's quiet. You just hear, you just hear footsteps, very ambient, you know, almost not there music. Uh, and I don't know. Cry Fear is like it's I think it's a very special game because there are moments where it's like oh you know i'm walking through this building you open up a room and then there's this guy with like this chainsaw that you have to kill you know and it's like oh that's mm-hmm. kind of different and then after that like your guy passes out you know after, after the fight you wake up somewhere completely different and it, i don't know just the game and its tone and the soundtrack i think it's I think it's very standout. It's very, it very much stands out to me. And it's why I like horror because yeah. it kind of shows it doesn't have to be just all in your face all the time. It's very much about mm-hmm. false senses of security, um, atmosphere, oh, yeah. and just how well equipped you feel yeah. to deal with whatever comes your way. That's why I like it so much. So, yeah, no, that's great. In fact, ties in perfectly with my next two points, both Robert Eggers movies, which is the witch from 2015 and the lighthouse from 2019. Um, in fact, this transition works fantastically because exactly with what you were saying about horror, not being in your face and being much more of a psychological and mental battle. Uh, the witch and the lighthouse are basically just representations of that. Jack, have you seen you've seen The Witch, yes. correct? But you haven't I know seen the, the story of the lighthouse, because um, it's based on like a yeah. give or take true story, right? Or is give or take? Yeah, I don't know how much of it is like true, true, but yeah. yeah. But yes, I've seen The Witch. Yeah. Um. So both, yeah, both of those movies in particular really are good about setting just the tone. And the atmosphere for their respective stories. So much so that it's. I watch those movies and I'm like, how did he, how did this team do this? Like, how did they capture that fear? And I'll speak to the witch since you've seen it. But even when the family, the beginning of the movie, and the family is kicked out of their settlement and they go to live out in the wild, and there's those shots of the woods, and you kind of have that very horrifying choir that just is like these long static shots of the woods and you just you're just like what is going on and then right away in the early scene where the baby disappears and it just shows the woods and it's like what is happening and just like how the all the characters deal with this environment and how they try to fight against it but it's just this losing battle very lovecraftian in that way where it's just like there is an evil at work here and this evil is going to win. And it's just a matter of how it wins. Not necessarily if these people can even escape. And I 
very dark themes, but I love those themes and I love the situations that those Mm -hmm. themes bring up. So I think that was a perfect transition. Jack, do you want to dive into another one or do you want me to move on to some story beats? Some things I can talk about specifically that I love with story. Uh, how about you, how about you do some story beats? Excellent. So for my first one, we're going to flip the script here and talk a little bit about an ending. So endings are often very hard to do. Not because you know, it's impossible to tie everything up or wrap everything up, but to do it in a satisfying way. And for me, what always has stuck out as one of the best endings really ever is the ending of the first season of Psychopaths in anime. I've talked about Psychopaths before and how much I love it. And I will very quickly say spoilers for Psychopaths. I'm going to talk about the ending. So if this is a show you're planning on watching or sounds interesting or you haven't got around to it yet, go ahead and skip it. But ending of Psychopaths deals a lot about um, like judgment and what right do humans have to pass judgment over others, especially if the system, so the, the over, you know, the uh, big godlike, almost like AI system Mm -hmm. judges this person, not, you know, they can't judge them. So this person just like a villain just gets away. And what I love about the ending of psychopaths is the main character, Kogami basically goes after, outside of the system. So now he's become targeted by the system, but he just goes after the main villain of the story. And at the very end, he chases him down despite the like the main character of the show being like, you can't do this. Like she's hurt. And he's like, I have to go do this. Leaves her behind, follows the villain out into this field and then just shoots him, just executes him and then runs away. Cause he's now an enemy of the system. Even though mm-hmm. the person he killed was like horribly cruel, but just an anomaly that couldn't be judged. And it's just such a good ending and it's such a solid like wrap up and statement of kind of the themes in the world that I always have liked it. And it's very striking too. Like it's not shocking because a lot of endings kind of focus on that gotcha moment where it's like, oh, but really, I mean, Dead Space even kind of does that where they're like, oh, but really Nicole's dead. And you're like, oh, yeah, (laughs) you know what I mean? So uh, Psychopaths doesn't really get you it kind of ends exactly as it you think it should end, but it's just very striking. It's very similar actually to something like uh, no country for old men really, you know, or like not like Cormac McCarthy in general, but that story and especially that movie, how it has just, it ends in the way that makes the most sense, but is still satisfying because you didn't think it would end that Mm -hmm. way. You know what I mean? Um, I feel the same way with like, uh, I believe like the ending for the first Last of Us game is fantastic as well. So that kind of, you could wrap that one in there as well. But you know that, uh, of course it would end this way. Like when you see the ending of The Last of Us, Jack, something I know you've seen, like, it's kind of like, well, how else did I think it was going to end? I mean, I thought somebody was going to die or I thought there's going to be some big revelation, some big understanding, but no, not Mm -hmm. really. This just, it's The Last of Us. Yeah. So that's, I wanted to talk about endings. Psychopaths and The Last of Us, No Country for Old Men, all wrapped up in there. Yeah, I kind of like how... Jack, what do you got next? Well, I just, I'm going to real quick tack on. I like a, endings how... No, go for it. They leave on like a cliffhanger, but not really a cliffhanger, if that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. Last of Us, it leaves yeah. on somewhat of a cliffhanger, but not really. And I I always kind of like that, because it kind of leaves it open yes. to some interpretation. So, it's yeah. always kind of cool. Which I, you know, I've always loved that, and it's... 
such a difficult balancing act to do that. It's so hard to say, you know, have I answered the important questions? Have I, is the story finished, but there are some threads that I could pull later if I needed Mm -hmm. to. And so it's always, that's always a very tough balancing act. And there's not very many pieces of media that can do that well. I mean, you know, you have like what the Lord of the Rings, which ends in victory, you know, you have like the Marvel movies, but those are all, and not that Lord of the Rings is formulaic. I think Lord of the Rings kind of defies that just because of where it falls in history. Yes. But like, especially with the Marvel movies, they are formulaic. And so while it is exciting to see, and it's so fun to be a part of, I'm not blown away. Mm-hmm. I don't go away thinking, oh my gosh, really? Like when I finished Last of Us, I was kind of just speechless. I was like, it was so good. What? It was so good. Like, so good. You know what I mean? And that's, I don't, I'm not left with that like striking impression when I finish, when I finish Endgame or when I finish Infinity War. It's just kind of like, oh, I mean? cool. <laughs> no, no harm yeah. against those movies. I'm like, oh man, cool. It's actually very similar to another story beat I have labeled on here who I somebody who I think is a little bit better at doing kind of the Marvel-esque stuff, mm-hmm. but that's what I got for endings. Jack, what do you got so next? So what I have next is, you know, we're kind of jumping away for anything like this can be more lighthearted. There's something about That's fine. Yeah. So recently I was telling this to Laura last night, but randomly in my head popped in Godzilla. I was like, how do they make Godzilla's roar? And so then you do all the research on how they made the roar, and they made it by, you know, the the one from 1954, how they made that first roar, is they dragged a mm. leather glove with resin on it across, like, some strings of a string instrument. And they, you know, mess with that, and that's how they okay. made that initial okay. roar sound. And just... And, like... And so then today, I actually watched a Godzilla <laughs> movie, and that was kind of... I was looking for the one that we'd have to pay for, like subscribe to whatever service to watch it on. And it was really kind of like nostalgic watching a Godzilla movie again because I haven't haven't watched one in a long time. But it made me kind of realize how much I Mm -hmm. enjoy just Godzilla. It's just this, you know, huge nuclear creature that has stood for so many things over the years in different interpretations of like what it means and yada yada. Is he good? Is he bad? Is he an anti-hero? You know, and yeah. The force of nature. Yeah. So is there's it, just yeah. something cool about, you know, Godzilla and all the giant creatures around Godzilla. You know, you even have like Mecha Godzilla, you have mm-hmm. Mothra, you have, you know, Mothra. the one that we watched a lot when you were kids, Godzilla versus King Kong. Um, there's something so yeah. um, good about those movies in a way that it's just, you know, from the scale, like models to the actors in the suits and to everything like that, there's just something unique mm-hmm. about the way that these movies are shot and done that I really enjoy. And, you know, I think again, yeah. it comes down to like, I'm a, I like sound design a lot. And it comes down to just the way Godzilla sounds is so cool. And I think if someone says mm-hmm. Godzilla doesn't sound cool, yeah. I think I think they need to rethink that opinion a little bit is all I'm going to say. So, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Just Godzilla yeah. is just yeah. a really cool kind of creature. And, you know, he's been around for like 75 years at this point. So. Yeah. Just yeah. with a new movie that came out not that long ago. So it's like, yeah. No, I mean, 
I definitely understand what you're saying because I felt the only modern thing that I felt really recaptured that early childhood watching the, you know, Godzilla movies was the first Pacific Rim movie. Um, the first Pacific Rim movie is like really good while it's like not a good story or like the scale and just the way everything like moves in that. And especially like the huge robots versus the huge monsters. It like really hits that niche. You watch even the, even the story hits those kind of very traditional, almost power Rangers esque melodrama things. And you're like, Oh yeah. But then you like, I forget it all when you see the huge robot punch the huge monster and it smashes into a building. Like, this is like, why I love oh, this. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, Jack, if you haven't seen the I first Pacific I mean, Rim, I need to, yeah. a really cool movie. And then of course I've seen the first two Godzilla movies. Um, haven't seen the new one, Godzilla versus King Kong. Yeah. So like I'm the expecting one. that one to be kind of okay. But, uh, yeah. I really like the second one. Again, it's really cool. Like, they really scale up Godzilla. He's, like, gigantic. And, of course, you know, you get all that really nice destruction porn of buildings just being mm-hmm. blown apart and entire cities being immediately leveled in, like, a gust of wind or a <laughs> swipe of the tail. And so it's it's cool from that angle. But, yeah, I don't know how much, you know, there is definitely a certain magic about the guy in the suit who they filmed normal then slowed down to make it seem like he was bigger. There's something magical about that. So Definitely. That's a good one. So as we talk about endings, we got to talk about openings. In what better opening, Jack? What better opening than the opening for the first game in a long-running series, Fallout Mm. 1? There aren't many openings that grab me, and I'm like, what? They just grab you and just throw you into the world. And Fallout does that. And that opening, even when we did our Fallout episode, um, I mean, Fallout is very important just to me. And, you know, just growing up and post-apocalyptic in general, I'll always think Fallout. But the opening for Fallout, I think, is Mm -hmm. so good. I mean, we're talking about Ron Perlman's opening introduction, The War Never Changes. You know, the, <laughs> the Egyptians yeah. waged war. Was like, good. But, uh, and then even that, but then the uh, overseer, when he's talking to her, ah, you're here, good. And he talks about the water chip, and then they're just like, <laughs> all right, go for it. Yeah, <laughs> um, I think it's a really masterful opening, and it just sets the scene so perfectly. Yes. Like, you get it. Right out the gate, you get it. Even if you don't understand or have, like, a good grasp on what the world is or can what things you're going to find this game sets that tone and that theme perfectly and it's followed through throughout the entire first fallout game. And it's still kind of crazy to me that they've done so much fallout afterwards. And still the first one I think has the absolute strongest opening. I mean, yeah, how can, how can you beat it? You know what I mean? So I wanted to bring that up as an opening as kind of a counterpoint to my endings. So that's what I want to bring up. Jack, do you have anything you want to add to that before I hop into my next little uh, As far as like openings and stuff, I'll be honest with you. If you don't know about the show, you need to. It's on Netflix. Midnight Diner. It is such a good mm. show. Um, and each episode starts off with this like guitar and these like just these 
shots of like it's it's a Japanese show. It takes you know these shots of, like downtown Tokyo at night and all that kind of stuff, and then voiceover of the guy being like, "Every night at midnight, my diner opens." You know, from yada yada, and he's like, "I get all." He's like, "You might not think I'm very busy, but." I have more guests than, than you know you'd expect, and so each episode is kind of like these self-contained stories, mm. but with many reoccurring characters, and it's it's a really it's a really good show. Interesting. Um, anytime it rains, this show comes on and it's played like for the whole day. It's a really good show. Yeah, I, th- I think you'd like it. <laughs> okay, a lot. I'll have I mean, to check it out. I've never heard of it. It, it goes from anything like oh yeah. here's some story about a guy in the yakuza. This is a story about. Uh, a stripper learning that you yeah. know it's okay that she's a stripper basically or here's a story about this guy finding a love from high school or right but he's like 50 years old now you know what i mean like it's there's a lot of different stories in the show and it's it's really right it's really okay good. okay so, yeah laura might be turning it on now she's turning it on she's turning it on oh, right that's now that's a great one <laughs> yeah so for my next two story beats i wanted to cover you know hmm. overall story because you got openings, you got, you know, being it. And I feel like I needed to include something that included, like, a whole story that I really enjoyed. And so I got two. I got the Hyperion Contos. It's a 1989 I've series by Dan Simmons, a book series, a hard sci-fi series. And I, in particular, think the first two books and the first one are really masterful stories. I think the second two lack a little bit in their story. They're still enjoyable, but the Hyperion Cantos is one of the things I've read, you know, within the last couple years that has really inspired me. And the, I mean, I'll just give you a little, little overview for the first book and kind of the setup. So you have these people who are all flying to the planet Hyperion and they all have their own reason for going to this planet. And, the first book basically takes these seven people and they each have their seven different stories about why they're going to the planet, what they're going to do. And as the stories progress, you know, it's them being on the planet and oh, now it's this person's turn to tell their story. Oh, now we've hit a little bit of a snag of the road. Now it's this person's turn to tell their story. So you're kind of getting the overall narrative being pushed forward through these little like, you know, in between the stories, but the stories themselves are all very different and show the world and, you know, are able to introduce you to this far flung future where people have, there's, you know, active warring AI factions that are fighting amongst themselves. They're people who exist and have their homes over multiple planets because they have these, I forgot what they're called in the book, but they're basically these like, I don't know, like dimension doors that basically just break space and time. And so it's like, oh, hey, I can go sit in my home here and let me walk through this doorway. Oh, and now I'm on another planet in my other home. But they're kind of connected, so it's all one home. You know what I mean? So you have all of these like just wild themes that kind of go into it and it get built upon, especially in the second one. The overall, I have to say, like it's really masterfully done and really intriguing. I listened to those two books on uh, Audible. And I highly recommend it. The guy who reads them is fantastic. So Hyperion Cantos, definitely one overall story. And I mentioned earlier that I think there's somebody who does kind of that Marvel formulaic storytelling, but way better. And I truly believe that is Brandon Sanderson, who has done Stormlight Archive, very famous for Mistborn. Um, 
He does these really epic, unique fantasy worlds, really known for having great magic systems. Like, he doesn't just... It's not like Lord of the Rings, where the magic is more of a soft magic. It's very hard magic to where he, mm-hmm. like, gives you the rules, and you know what the characters can do, and you know what the limitations are. And I gotta say, while he not he's not, like, the most inventive writer... When you get to the end of a Brandon Sanderson book and he like sweeps you up into this epic battle or this epic final moment or showdown, I'm like sitting on the edge of my chair. I'm like, or I'm like in the car and I'm like, oh, I have to keep this playing. And I get out, I disconnect the Bluetooth. The story's still going. I'm like walking inside and I'm just like listening. He is so good about making these moments just like awesome and epic and just like you're like Mm -hmm. oh my god that is so cool you know what I mean like so good at that and I have to give him credit for that because not everyone can do that like there are books out there like for example another book on my list uh, Neuromancer which I have listed for different reasons but Neuromancer doesn't ever hit those lofty like epic cinematic moments Brandon Sanderson does and it's while I think Neuromancer is a better written story, is it as epic? Is it as memorable? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. You know what I mean? So they're both good for different reasons. It's uh, very much like watching like a, you know, you watch Infinity War, epic movie, and then you go watch a smaller like indie movie. You know, they're both good for different reasons. However, you know, does the smaller movie hit the same epic strides that the Marvel movie does? Yes, but in just different ways. But there is something about the big blockbuster blowout, you know, battle yeah. that does it for me, or the big showdown that just <laughs> I'm like I'm, I'm all in. So <laughs> I had to include those two for just overall story because uh, I think they're very good nice. picks. Jack, what do you got for me next? So this kind of ties in with your overall story theme. Oh, perfect. Uh, and I've talked about this before too, but so a silent voice. You need to watch this movie, Charlie. I swear to God, the fact <laughs> you haven't watched it, you need to come over and watch it. Um, but a silent voice. It deals with you know the the main character of the show. You overcoming, you know, basically being a bad kid, doing things that were pretty horrible, and then slowly like coming to terms with that, and also just trying to. Well, eventually coming to the realization that, like, you know, people can change for the better, you know, and even if someone has done something horrible, like, you can still come back from it. Like, people aren't going to hate you or people aren't always talking about you, you know, in this, like, bad light. It kind of gives, like, a really good, like, real world perspective on how some people feel like, oh, like, I just started a new job and there are three people been here for a while all talking and one of them, I think, looked over at me. So I think they're talking about me. They're probably mm-hmm. talking bad about me. You know what yeah. I mean? So, like, yeah. just situations like that or even, like, at school or whatever, it's just kind of like, you know, not everything's about you, you know? And so it's it's a really good emotional movie. I cry every time I watch it. <laughs> okay, it's so I'll, good. I'll have to watch it. Um, try Even, like, if you do want to come over and watch it, I think it'd be actually a lot of fun to do. But, yeah. We'll have to wait and yeah. see, but a silent voice. I'm trying to recommend it yet again. Everyone who hasn't <laughs> seen it should watch it. The you know watching the subtitles great. Watching it um, in English voiceover 
is fine. It's it's good. However you want to watch it. I just, it's a great movie. So, really, really good storytelling. Really good. I've got two for my next category, Jack, which is all about mm. voice and character. Mm. You know how when you read certain books or you watch certain shows and there is like a dedicated, uh, almost like, it doesn't have to be like somebody physically talking or narrating, but there is just a strong, you know, we covered tone, but there's such a strong voice to the show. Like the show has its own message and its own thing that it wants to say. And even to sometimes a disadvantage, it sticks with that. Those are the kind of the two things I want to go into next. And so first on my list is what I mentioned earlier, Neuromancer by William Gibson, 1984. This book and William Gibson in general are really kind of, you know, touted as starting the cyberpunk genre. So, you know, think Blade Runner, think, you know. That being said, Blade yeah. Runner did come out yeah. in 1982. But this is really that the, the whole cyberspace deck thing. Um, you know, I'm listening to Neuromancer on Audible right now. I've read it several times. While I really love Neuromancer, it's an interesting story. And definitely, like, I don't know how much I enjoy the story of the book and how much I just enjoy the way it's written and just the the voice of the thing like there's just this downtrodden rainy burnout kind of feel to the entire story that's carried along by the main character case mm -hmm. and it's just inescapable and always there and everybody seems to be in this kind of depressive like haze of like this is the life i got stuck into this is what i'm gonna be doing Hey, I might get this lucky break. Hey, I might do this. Or hey, I might accomplish this. But ultimately, the world is going to beat me down because that's the way the world is. And there's something to that that I just find always fascinating. I just can't escape like the tone and the character of the story. Yeah. You know, it's like the city and the, the way that's written. All of it just has a very like a strong through line that you can follow, you know, whether it's case when he is diving in the cyberspace, the, uh, the matrix, you know, when he's diving in and he has this AI companion who at one time was a real person, but has just been coded to like be active again. And they call him the flat line because while he was doing one of his runs while he was alive, he went dead. Like his, you know, his uh, heart readings went to zero. And so he flatlined out and he, then he died after doing this epic like cyberspace heist. And so now he just exists as this AI construct called a flatline that has this chilling laugh. That's not quite real. You know, it's all these moments that you hear and see and feel more mm -hmm. so than physically happen that are just mm, chef's kiss. I do have another one I want to talk about here, Jack, but I, I feel like I'm talking a lot in this episode, so I want to give you the opportunity to add anything to that or if you just want to bring up your next point. Really, whatever you would like. No, yeah, so I think, honestly, um, just talking about, like, you know, voiceover work and that kind of stuff, one thing that always kind of, like, really hit home for me when it came to, like, voiceover work especially, because that's what I'm going kind to of, narrow down to, is just you saying voiceover work. 
um, is all the uh, cassettes, dramatic readings of the Lord of the Rings books. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, listening to those, especially like just the way the characters sound, those will always mm-hmm. stick in my head and like help me visualize how the characters, like the movies. Obviously, you can see the characters are and stuff like that. But there's always there's this secondary visual I have of these characters that come just yeah. from the voices, especially um, the uh, listening library versions of the Harry Potter audiobooks. Mm, that's a great example. Oh, I yeah. for, let me let me fi- figure out the name of the, I should know because I heard it so many times. It's Jim Dale, right? Jim Dale, you're right. You're totally right. Yeah, Jim Dale did a phenomenal job like giving oh, yeah. each character their like a voice a personality and like being consistent through all of the books it's kind of unreal yeah and you know that kind of stuff just really makes me appreciate like good voiceover work and even shows like futurama like you have one guy doing like six completely different voices and you would have no idea until you looked up and you're like oh i don't know one guy does the voices of three of the main characters you know yeah and so it's 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 really you know it voiceover work really helps define in so many aspects not just how they sound but how they should you know act how they should look um and like the just the feeling that they give off you know is just really all defined through voiceover work so when voiceover work isn't done well it's really noticeable or i'm like ooh. yeah this character is in they're not giving me anything you know so yeah no building i mean directly off that the next one on my list that is very much all voicing character is welcomes a night veil a 2012 podcast radio show written by joseph fink and jeffrey cranor with cecil baldwin playing the main voice i Welcome to Night Vale. I think, you know, I've been talking about it more, especially as Tales of Ephemera has been coming out. I know that is a big inspiration for that show. And it just, there's something about how much you can build with just the proper writing and then the proper voice to go along with it. Mm -hmm. And it makes me so jealous sometimes that I don't have that voice. You know, you think of like Morgan Freeman, right? You think of... Ron Perlman, you know, and welcome to Night Vale with Cecil Baldwin. I think he plays, I think the guy's name is Cecil Palmer in the show, the radio host, but he just has this fantastic suave voice, but it's not one note, which is so good. Like he can be surprised and he can be like taken aback, even though he is so cool and so suave. And then he just has these deliveries of these weird Twilight Zone-esque stories. And you're like, what is going on with my family? I mean, mm-hmm. the, first ep- the first episode totally sells it when he's like, oh, and we have a new dog park. And the first announcement is, stay away from the dog park. If you are passing the dog park and you see hooded figures, stay away from the dog park. Dogs are not allowed in the dog park. And you're like, oh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. He just captures that feeling so well, and I could not talk about it because you got the Jack. The you last... got the inverse of like those YouTube no, shows I... or series that are like, yeah, number one, <laughs> number one, the ghost <laughs> in the hallway. <laughs> These kids were figuring out what this sound was, and it it's horrible. 
Mm. But it has millions of views because it's horrible. So there's like a give and take with everything. (laughs) Jack, the last topic I want to jump into is worlds. Mm -hmm. Um, You know me. I love building worlds. I love being a dungeon master. I love writing. And worlds and the worlds that stories have crafted, especially with the ones I've listed here, I think three very different ones, um, have always really stood out to me. And so I want to get into that next. But first, Jack, do you have one that you would like to add? Do you have a little nugget of topic to slip in here? Or do you want me to jump right Um, in? I got one for sure. Go for Uh, it. So one a little bit more than the other. Uh, I just want to quickly mention Devil's Part-Timer. I love the fact that there's this whole, like, demon, like, you know, devil angel world that's just, like, chaos and, Mm -hmm. like, all this happening. And then, boom, they're in, like, you know, the human world. And it's, you know, there's, like, there's, like, in the very, like, first episode, uh, his assistant, Asiel, is, like, you know, there's some kind of a... there's like magic here, but like not really. It's more so of like a fairy tale. Yeah. But at the same time, they have these structures dedicated to like magic and all this kind of stuff. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, they're like, maybe there's something we can do. And so I kind of like just like the different dimensions merging like that. I am a fan of that kind of stuff, especially when it's taken like in a not super serious way. But it has like like right. serious undertones, if that makes sense. Uh Mm-hmm. And but the one I want to talk about more so is Somali and the Forest Spirit. It's again another anime, but this mm-hmm. world um, deals with where humans are basically, you know, extinct. Uh, humans and these creatures. Think of like just, you know, you have like lizard men. You have these weird like you know you have like dog people. You have like just think of any kind of like, you know, like humanoid monster, and like that's in this show. And basically people, mm, okay. you know, they used to kind of live together, but then humans like were never trusting of these, you know, monsters. And they always called them like monsters that they're ugly, you know, all this kind of stuff. And so eventually they were like, hey, humans are kind of weak. So let's just get rid of them. And so humans actually just kind of went <laughs> extinct or or are in hiding. And so it's re- this world right. is so beautiful to look at. And there's so much going on. And everything is so alive. Mm. It's just, it's it's so cool. Like, they're just traveling through, like, you know, this desert. And then there's this huge, like, desert creature that starts, like, chasing them. Or, like, there are these giant flying, mm. like, insects. and Or, you know, you go underground. And there's these whole, like, caverns of, like, trees and, you know, like, fungus. It's so, the world of Somali and the Forest Spirit is phenomenal i love it when just worlds are blended Mm. to have so much but it never feels overwhelming it just feels very yeah you know extensive and Mm -hmm. and deep deep without ever having to go into it it's you know yeah that reminds me a lot there's a show called uh another anime called maiden abyss that's a lot like that as well where it has a really unique twist to it like just the like world Lagan. that's very well realized um so the first on my list of course is something i brought up before but is uh lord of the rings jrr token 1954 to 55 the books uh you know you can't 
not talk about fully realized fantasy worlds and not talk about Lord of the Rings. I, it's tough to me to ever think that somebody could do what Tolkien did to that extent again, Mm -hmm. especially as things move away from kind of the Tolkien fantasy and are going more the Game of Thrones route, which I think is good. Like, I don't think that's bad. But, you know, I mean, even George R. R. Martin talks about how influential Tolkien was to him and how much he didn't want to tell a Tolkien story. And so you can even see through evolutions of what, you know, let's take the top fantasy series, so like Lord of the Rings and then Game of Thrones. You can see the through lines there, but Game of Thrones is a much more real story with humans not being heroic and, you know, people. Um, But, yeah, I cannot mention Lord of the Rings. I mean, even like the Cimmerillion and just this huge, dense, realized world that somebody else created that is so much a part of our modern understanding of fantasy that it's hard to think of it without it. I mean, can you think of Dungeons and Dragons without goblins orcs i mean these things existed before tolkien put them you know all together but he is the one who brought them into the i don't know not even the mainstream when he came out but like it's in mainstream culture now i mean we think of elves we think of doors i mean you know games like uh you know the elder scroll series like where would those be without a series like lord of the rings and so how can you not mention it exactly i just want to say real quick the next it's funny how no, J.R.R. Yeah, R. Tolkien jump and in. also George R.R. R. Martin. Why do they George both have R.R. R. 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 Martin? That's yeah. like such a weird <laughs> coincidence, I feel like. You know, two very prolific fantasy writers love... that both have R.R. in their name. It is strange, isn't it? I always love uh in South Park, whenever Butter says George R.R. R. Martin, he's like George R.R. R. R. Martin. <laughs> Don't worry, the dragons are coming. So good. Don't worry, the dragons are coming. It's gonna be really. It's gonna, <laughs> they're gonna be dragons. Really it's gonna be really cool. It's gonna be really cool. Oh boy. Okay. Oh man. Uh, you know, Jack. The next on my list, I got two for you to choose from, and then I'll let you enter also, Jack after you pick George one. R. R. Martin okay. Looks like Henry. I have two very different ones after Lord of the Rings. We have Adventure Time. And then we have Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. So which Honestly, one would you like me to talk about first? Adventure Time. Excellent. Charlie, you know, damn it. I debated putting this one on the list. So <laughs> Adventure Time ran from 2010 to 2018, created originally by Pendleton Ward. Um, you know, there aren't very many animated shows. I think other ones like Gravity Falls, and there's a lot of anime that falls in this category. But Adventure Time is just this goofy nonsensical show like 60% of the time. And the other 40, there's this weirdly deep story and lore that go into everything and that frame everything to make me really fall in love with this Mm -hmm. world. And I don't think Mm -hmm. you have to look really that much further than the development that you get later on for the Ice King and Marceline, how the Ice King was driven insane by his crown and the destruction of the world. And Marceline, he kept Marceline safe as a child and how tragic that story is. And like, he basically went insane keeping her safe. Yeah. And that's why he is the way he is now. And it's like, if you watch the first season of Adventure Time, you don't get any of that at all. Like you get weird hints. Like there's a bunch of weird stuff in Adventure Time. Like just like you see like the ruins of the past world that perish in the mushroom war. 
and you know, et cetera, et cetera. But like the more you find out about it, it always is just like really intriguing to me how they can kind of weave in, even though the story is weird and nonsensical and like almost like Dr. Seussian at times, they do still weave in this like really deep world that they didn't have to do. And it's always been so wild to me because it's like a connection point for all of the weirdness. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those shows that again, the weirdness and the humor of the show makes the darker moments stand out so much more. I mean, I think of the moment where, you know, Finn is trying to like go and stop the Lich and the Lich turns to him and goes, the Lich has Ron Perlman's voice, funnily enough. The Lich turns to him and goes, fall. And he just falls and everything goes black and he like can't move. He's under like this horrific spell. And and the Lich is like, I have existed before time immemorial and this world shall burn like all the others. I'm a scholar of Gob. And you're like, what in the world? What is this? (laughs) It's funny because you have moments where like, you know, you kind of learn a bit about um, even like Jake and like Finn, like both their pasts are at first kind of like yeah. talked about in a lighthearted way, like how they found Jake and all that kind of stuff. But then like later they go on to like tackle mm-hmm. more of like their backstory. And like, like you said, the show has a really like, like very like unique and cool way of like having these offsetting tones of like, oh, Finn's like this adventurer that like is gonna conquer everything. He's gonna like always do his best. Yeah, yeah. And then it's like you have his moment. Where he's like, I don't know, man. I just don't know if I can do it anymore, or I don't know if I want to do it anymore. And you're like, oh my gosh, like, why are you being so real right. right now? Yeah. So I have to, you know, I think Adventure Time for me really is good in that 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 term and the, why I love it so much because I can watch it and face value and laugh at it. Or I can watch it and be like, oh, God, man, this moment's like kind of kind of grim, kind of dark. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's a whole episode where Finn has like a magic arm and he's building a tower so he can go and beat up his dad because he's upset that his dad abandoned him as a child. And it's like <laughs> he like wants to rip off his dad's arm because that's how he lost his arm trying to stop his dad from escaping. <laughs> like It's like. <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, really? That's an adventure time. Like, that's what a, that's what an episode's about. You know what I mean? So I have to give that a shout out because it's just wild, weird, and wacky, incredibly deep, and it didn't have to be. And that's that's the really cool thing about it is like they didn't have to build in lore. They didn't have to build in a deep story, but it's yeah. there. So that's my first trip. Jack, before I get into my last one, do you have any last ones you want to add? Any uh, other ones you want to throw in? I'm just a quick note, just Call of Duty in general has a lot of really cool moments in the campaigns that aren't like, yeah, they're like on the verge of being very action hero-y, but still keep it somewhat real. And, you know, like there's moments that your character gets blown out of a window, you know, and you just see all these effects going on, all, you know, or there's that part in Modern Warfare 2 where you're scaling up this ice mountain and mm. uh, oh, I forget his name. Mm the guy in front of you i think it's actually soap in front of you and you're not playing soap in moment for it too i don't remember but anyways yeah you're on the stealth mission no you're not and yet. he he runs up and uh you know jumps on the ice climbs you run and jump and you just slide and then eventually like you slip and he grabs your arm throws you back up you catch on you both climb up like moments like that are very like you know cool yeah. but also kind of at the same time kind of 
quote unquote realistic. So yeah, we'll definitely have to do one over Modern Warfare 2 because I what I distinctly remember from Modern Warfare 2 is the very end spoilers for anybody who does not want to hear the end. I'm going to talk about the end of Modern Warfare 2 where you're fighting that general and he's like, history is written by the winners. And you're yeah. like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I love the whole because don't you at the end, don't you end up fighting American troops? Because yeah, you're, you're kind of pushed. You're, it's this like a mercenary team. It's. Yeah, and it's a really cool, yeah, so we'll definitely have to do one over Modern Warfare 2, very, and, like, really, a lot of the other Call of Duty's, like, I know, in fact, we got feedback from Michael, where he said he loved to hear us talk about zombies oh, yeah, and we'll stuff, because, sure. and I would love to talk about that, too, because I think, oh, yeah, like, zombies is so good, I mean, I got, Jack, so, just a quick aside, I know we're running a little bit long here before I get into my last one, but, God, the last, like, going through, like, the World at War zombie levels so yeah. you have like what the first one you and then shinonuma and you have the Rurut. that german asylum shinonuma yeah like they're all just so Shinonuma is a japanese one <laughs> like, not their and i can't the first one yeah and even and then even getting to the uh like um black ops ones i think are really good as well oh, so for sure we'll definitely have to do those so last on my list for World is Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. The series ran from 2009-2010. I have always really been in love with this world. It's kind of alternate history-esque to where instead of developing more science and stuff, the power of alchemy was found. And of course, alchemy is all about how you can create matter and you can do these great feats, but you always have to mm-hmm. trade something equal. And that is such a absolute law that it governs the entire show and it even governs the world, which is so cool. I, I really like the Full Metal Alchemist world because it feels very dynamic. There's like a great war going on and there's a lot of hints that like the side that our heroes and our protagonists are on is kind of the evil side, even though they're the mm-hmm. winning and dominant side. And so it's it creates this really weird almost like a tension and drama just from the world itself and the characters who come from this world. Like you have the character scar who is completely motivated by stuff that we haven't seen that we get into later with his backstory. And it's all there because of the world and because of how solid the world is. And everything is so cohesive because it's all follows the same rules and it's all takes place in the same worlds. Even when it gets outlandish with some of the crazy stuff you can do with alchemy, you can still trace that through line back to the original episode and like the original tragedy, which is the Elric brothers trying to bring back their dead mother and they just bring back Mm -hmm. this horrible abomination instead. You know what I mean? You know, what's the cost of a human soul? Like that's kind of like always the question and these whole cities, and places that have vanished because they were part of a huge alchemical process that sucked up all of their life. You know what I mean? All that exists in the world and all that's there. And you always feel the echoes and ramifications of that. And it's just very solid. Anyone who hasn't watched Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, I would really highly recommend it. It's If you're not into anime, it may be really hard because it does kind of fall into some of the anime tropes. That being said, very solid well, it's like 64 yeah. episodes, I believe. Very seen, solid. Uh, probably about and 20 episodes of it, it, but it is very good from what I've seen. Yeah. 
Well, Jack, that is all I have for my topics on the best stories for us. Of course, my list is definitely not extensive. I mean, even as I was like going through this, I thought of so many more. I mean, Jack, when you talk about Cry of Fear, yeah. I wanted to bring up Silent Hill 1 and 2. I mean, yeah. I mean, definitely like pulled from there. I mean, you know, talk about the first Fear game is fantastic I mean, I even as well for horror. About, like, and so many others that we could stuff, mention. You know, just but, like yeah, some of those other games. But you know, we'll probably get into it again. Oh, yeah? But yeah, this is like, this is, I think, a good dive into some some of our opinions on so in the and our opinions and some of our favorite story elements and why we like them so much uh i think it was a good kind of initial dive into that so it'd be fun to do it again yeah yeah well everyone like i said we didn't get that yeah, much feedback call of duty this week which is totally fine but let us know what you think let us let us know if any of these topics that we talked about, you would like to hear more about, or you'd like this to hear expand upon, and real, real anything, quick, I really um, would love also, to do. I just want to say I've been looking at some of the uh, behind-the-scenes yeah. statistics, and we've been having like a lot of listens these past seven days. So I appreciate you guys listening, tuning in, and sharing it with your friends on Spotify yeah. and everything like that. Yeah, definitely let everyone you know about the Rocketeer Collection. You know, I feel like the Rocketeer Collection is a really great conversational piece that you can kind of fit in with your day and listen to, which is exactly, it's the type of show right, I would listen to. So there you go. Branded by Charlie. Everyone, if you want to get a hold of us, you can get a hold of us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can follow us on Spotify and really we're probably Wait, available we're wherever this. you find your podcasts. I know Jack currently is is working on getting some of our just audio clip, our audios uh, recorded to YouTube videos so we can have that as another um, access point. But if you have any, uh, you know, any ideas, any tips, anything that you would like us for us to do or do differently, please let us know. We got a Patreon over at the Rackenter Collection. Yep. Or patreon.com slash Rackenter Collection. You can find us there and join the uh, fine group of people we have who support us. All of the patrons... We got Patreon, uh, yeah, Lily, but also we had uh, Lily Noah Noah Short became a patron. Oh, Noah Short. Well, Noah Lily, welcome to the Raconteur mm. Collection family. <laughs> we don't the the Raconteur <laughs> Collection pack, the rack pack, rack pack. Oh, that's kind of like the Rat Pack. <laughs> so I know. The Rat Pack. <laughs> Everybody, I think that wraps up this episode of the Raconteur Collection. Of course, this is episode 28 or chapter 3, episode 8. We are getting close to starting chapter 4 dope. of the Raconteur Collection. And Jack, I don't know about you, but I'd like to make some small changes as we kind of like continue to move on. But if you, of course, as I've said earlier, if you guys have anything that you'd like to let us know, or if you have any comments, yeah. please send that over our way. Even if it's just a comment on the picture, comment on the post, I'll read it out because right now we're just building up that audience and that back and forth and that feedback from everyone else out there. Even if you say it to me in person, even if you know me in person or even if you don't really like, even mm. if just, Hey, good job. We didn't. Yeah. Or Hey, we didn't trust this episode was great. Quick, but- or Hey, I thought this episode sucked. <laughs> Dead Space is a but, horrible uh, game. Tyler did comment uh, a little suggestion <laughs> uh, on our Instagram. He messaged us on Instagram. Uh, 
Um, he says, uh, I was oh, he did. I'm so glad you remember movies. that. There yeah. should be like a study session where we could all potentially watch it with you guys on a stream or Discord or whatever. So yes. I mean, that could be something to do. Maybe like on Twitch or YouTube. Uh, or it could be like a Patreon thing because just with copyright, I don't know if we can watch whatever, you know, on Twitch or YouTube with copyrights. But maybe we can do something over on Patreon or even on Discord. I mean, who knows, you know? We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, that, no, is, I, that is a good suggestion. Yeah, I thought that was a great suggestion. And I was even thinking, you know, the simplest way to do it, Jack, would to be to create our Patreon-only Raconteur Collection Discord, have people join that. And then we can say, hey, starting at, you know, 8 o'clock and forever how long the movie is, we're going to be watching this movie. You can just hop into the chat and watch it with us. We're going to be putting, Jack and I are going to be putting in our thoughts. So that way people can kind of see what we might bring up during an episode or you know, and then we can use that as notes as well. Yeah. And then we can bring in other people's, you know, conversations because yeah, they can even tune in later yeah. and say, oh, hey, I see this big thread all about, you know, whatever it is. And then they can comment their thoughts on that. And so I think that'd be a really great, that's a really great yeah, idea. And so we can kind of look back, hey, here are, here's what we kind of, during the live stream, here's what, you know, was talked about during these moments, stuff like that. It stood out to the people watching. Right. So I think that is a right. cool idea to work on for sure. Everyone... The Raconteur Collection is a podcast about everything and nothing. It comes out every Monday, 8 a.m. That's when it's available. This episode will be available 8 a.m. Monday. You're already listening to it. You already know. You've already finished it. Wow. Good for you. Good job. Jack, do you have any closing words before we go ahead and back into the tavern? I think I'm good. All right. Let's go ahead and open up that door. And here we go. We're opening up the door. We're walking into the tavern. The wonderful music of Tyler Cunningham. You thought I forgot, didn't you? But I know I didn't forget. The wonderful music of Tyler Cunningham is cutting over our voices right now. You probably can't hear us because those drums are really kicking in. Oh, they're drowning me out. Those drums, okay. Bye, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye. Have a good one. See ya.